Boots. Oh. <laughs> Hello dog, what have you been up to? Busy day? Rosie, it's cold out there today. Glove weather. All you need is gloves. Yeah. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan Hey, how you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here What's this? That is the sound of A. Buckles wearing big, clumpy walking boots and stomping on the bristly tops of stubble in a field that was harvested a few weeks, months back. Now it's full of all these little stubs. And if you tread down on them from directly above, as long as you're wearing the correct footwear, it is... Emotionally rewarding. No one gets hurt. The stubble don't mind. It's a great, great winter treat. It's not even winter though, is it? It's just autumn. But it feels very wintry today. Out here in the East Anglian countryside. In the second half of November 2020. It's colder than it's been for a while. I would guess because I'm very good at guessing the temperature. I am also known as Thermos, Lord of Temperature. And Thermos guesses that today it is... (sighs) Thermos says... mm, 11 degrees centigrade. Let's check on the weather app. Totally wrong. It's 8. What was Thermos thinking? Of course it's 8. 11 That would be sunbathing weather out here. Oh, well, Thermos is off his game. Let me tell you a bit about podcast number 141, which features a rambling conversation with British comedian and TV presenter Joe Lysett. Lysett facts. Joe, currently aged 32, was born in Hall Green, Birmingham. He attended the University of Manchester, where he studied English and drama. Joe won Chortle's Student Comedian of the Year Award in 2010 and then their Best Newcomer Award the following year. Since then, in addition to live shows and stand-up tours, Joe has been a regular presence on radio and TV panel shows and in the last couple of years he's been the host of the BBC's Great British Sewing Bee and Channel 4's prank-based consumer show Joe Lysett's Got Your Back. At the start of this year, 2020, he started shooting a new series of Travel Man, having taken over as the host from Richard Ayawadi. However, SARS-CoV-2, one of my least favourite sequels, has meant that Travel Man filming has been put on hold for the time being. My conversation with Joe, which you're about to hear, was recorded in London back in March of last year, 2019. And I emailed Joe the other day to let him know our conversation was going out, to apologise for the delay, and to ask if he wanted me to say anything particular in this intro. This was Joe's reply. Hello, sir. How lovely to hear from you. I did wonder if we'd been accidentally appalling on the podcast, so it's good to know it's suitable for public consumption. Nothing to plug, so just say something about how gorgeous I was and how sexually alluring you found me or something. Maybe mention about how, when I smile, my eyes widen in this really adorable and reassuring way. 
and that for a split second you feel that everything is just so, that there is nothing at all to fear, that you can achieve anything, climb the highest of mountains and swim the longest of rivers, that the world is bright and full of wonder and it is all for you. Hope you're keeping well. Pest dishes, Joe. And there's a big kiss. It's a good email response. That's what you want when you email someone. Our conversation featured, amongst other things, talk about Joe's net worth, according to a site I found on the internet, link in the description, hidden camera shows and pranks, ASMR, and the rights and wrongs of swearing. I should say that our conversation does involve strong language, some quite frank sex chat, and towards the end I give Joe a gift that involves some close mic mouth noises. That's the ASMR bit. That was a deal breaker for that partridge. Fact-checking Santa here. That was actually a pheasant. (laughs) However, before we got to all that kind of stuff, we started by talking about the first time we met. I've only met Joe once or twice, actually. Twice, in fact. And we talked about that first time, which was after a particularly traumatic comedy show in Bristol. Back at the end for a little bit more waffle, but right now with Joe Lysett. Here we go. doing man i feel as if you're an old friend even though really we've only met twice i think we did a gig together yes and was it bristol oh lord in that big tent i reminded myself of the facts of that evening because it was maybe my worst gig ever what nightmare gig why well i don't know if you remember but i double booked myself by accident i was doing a show in london that night Mm. this was the 9th of July, 2015. And I guess I didn't put it in the diary and I agreed to do this show at the Bristol Comedy Garden. Mm. Uh, That's in the one. Queen Square. Really nice gig, which I'd done before and had a good time at. And I said, yeah, okay. And I was supposed to be headlining, I think. But I didn't realize that I had said yes to this other gig in London, uh, doing a bug show. I do the show Bug, where I introduce music videos. Yeah. So that was happening. Uh, it was supposed to be happening at the same time, basically. <laughs> yeah, and London and Bristol are They're... not not doubleable normally. You would, no. You would argue. Exactly. And also, I'm currently not able to be in two places at the same time. So I got the. London show shifted forward by an hour or something Mm. and the Bristol one shifted back by an hour and then Will who does the Bristol show he got hold of a a limo bike he booked me a limo bike they're so fun have you ever been on one of those yeah I have yeah so describe a limo bike for people who haven't been on one it's a sort of slightly longer motorbike I think they are I mean I'm not an expert on motorbikes or or cars or, or transport in general Actually, I could tell you the, the, the route of the 453 in London pretty well. Yeah, That's you're good on your far. roads. I'm good on my roads. Where, we, where was the London gig? Where specifically? Uh, it was it? in. Uh, it was on the South Bank at the BFI. Mm. So we headed out to you Reading would... Services oh. on the limo bike. Right. It would have been about 8 p.m. Oh, my God. Summer's evening. Sun was going down. Beautiful evening. Mm. And Beautiful evening for a very stressful double up. Yeah, although at that point it felt as if it was all going to work and the timing was going to work and it felt, I felt important, Joe. Yeah. Well, you're on the back of a limo bike. On the back of a limo bike. Which I heard uh, the Royals use quite a lot because it's an effective way, one, of getting through London traffic because you zip around all of the traffic. But also you're wearing a helmet, so you're not recognisable. Right. So I heard that um, Will particularly loves a limo bike. But, you know, you hear these things about the Royals, uh, you know, 
Could any of it be true? Do they I, even exist? <laughs> I would say that the idea of Will loving a limo bike is one of the more plausible mm. rumours. Yeah. The lizard stuff starts to get a bit... <laughs> That's why he wears the helmet. Because well, he's a lizard. <laughs> but presumably, if you're a lizard, they're very good at getting between little nooks and crannies. So you don't need the limo bike because you are a lizard. So yeah. you just sort of scuttle around. Scurry around. But actually, the limo bike was great. I imagined having to hold on to someone round the waist. Yeah, no, you don't. They've got like little handlebars on the side, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, it, it, you're right. You do feel important because it, I mean, it's certainly not my mo to be jutting around London, going between events very, yeah. very quickly. We looked into the possibility of getting a helicopter. Oh, that's fun. Uh, no, that that's... is fun, but that is prohibitively expensive. Mm. So that wasn't on. But limo bike was good. You're also in radio contact with the driver of the bike. Yeah. You have a little mic. It's quite a lot of pressure, that, isn't it, for that length of journey? He was brilliant because he was obviously used to it and used to the fact that it's really quite alarming because you are weaving around at high speed. Mm. And then you get onto the motorway and he, well, I, I won't say what company he was from but he did exceed the speed limit oh yeah on one or two occasions by how much i would say a load oh it felt like we were going to take off but maybe that's just because i felt so exposed maybe Mm. he never exceeded it oh so you've not you you haven't got the the actual statistics no i didn't i don't i don't know how fast we were going but we were certainly overtaking absolutely everyone okay all right (laughs) and it felt as if i was going back in time because we were going so fast got you it's like being on a fairground ride, mm. you know, you're holding on. And I was sort of getting a bit kind of giggly and hysterical. Mm. And also a bit frightened on occasion, even though he was a brilliant driver. But he was telling me, he kept on talking to me to sort of keep me calm and saying, you know, it's quite normal for people to feel a bit freaked out. Yeah. But I've been doing this for a while. He told me he was ex-security for a variety of celebrities, including David Beckham. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know if I'd find that reassuring or more concerning. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What, what does Beckham need security for? People coming at him for his hot bod? Yeah, just sort of rogue tattooists. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to decorate him further. Anyway, it all went smoothly. We get to Reading Services where I was to transfer to a car that would take me the rest of the way to Bristol. Mm. At that point logistics and reality and traffic kicked in and we just sat in traffic for two hours oh my god outside bristol hang on you leave london at eight leave london at eight get to bristol services around nine i'm supposed to be on stage at 10 that wasn't happening no eventually i get to queen square after loads of phone calls to will the promoter so what's happening with you at the time because there you were emceeing that night weren't you no i wasn't oh were you not i oh you were just on the bill and you were nice enough to hang back well, I wouldn't say nice enough. My <laughs> cousin lives in Bristol and it became a, a small tradition to do that gig and then get pissed and stay at his. Right. So I was there for the long haul. And now you say it, I remember you being late, but I don't remember you being that late. But I mean, how late were you? How, how... I think I was at least an hour late. Right. I went on stage just before midnight in the end. Oh, okay. And the crowd were really leery. I just don't remember it being that late. But maybe I was really trashed. By that point, I probably could have been. (laughs) (laughs) Had you had a good show, do you remember? I feel like it was fine. I never feel like I come out of those gigs going, wow, what a... Smashed it. Yeah, I I, I never think that was the one. I have this urge and instinct at gigs like that to get off the stage. So, yeah, I think it was fine. I think I probably underran because that's normally my... What I do. The underrunner. If somebody somebody says, oh, you've got to do half an hour, there's a good chance I'll be doing somewhere between 20 and 25. (laughs) And I feel like I get to the end of that 2025 and I've got nothing else. There's not one (laughs) other thing I could say. That's my kind of guy. I'm the same. I never overrun. It's always under. I'm exactly the same. I'm sort of embarrassed for them. I sort of say, not embarrassed, but like um, apologetic. I'm so so sorry that you've come to see me. (laughs) I, I, I don't wish to be a burden, so I'll leave before you. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can get home sooner. Well, man, I felt the same way when I got there that night. They were, I think they were pretty drunk. How many mm. people would you say? One and a half thousand? Yeah, that's probably about right. Big enough. 
big enough to yeah for to for feel for to feel a kind of unmanageable yeah. wave of whoa what's this and it wasn't a friday or saturday was it, it was sort of i feel like it was a thursday or maybe midweek maybe so a lot of people would have been ready for for bed by that point yeah yeah and there was they pumped smoke in there and stuff so it just felt a bit infernal and yeah. crazy and so i get on stage and i've got my shows are often, um, you know, supported with AV and I have my computer. And oh, it's... God, yes, that's another level of complexity, yeah. isn't it? So I get, I have to run on stage having not sound checked and plug my stuff in from scratch while I'm talking to the audience, mm. which I don't really, I haven't got that much patter, <laughs> you know, there's not much crowd work. And so I'm plugging in, I'm looking at the screen. There's a problem with the aspect ratio. I'm mm. an aspect ratio queen. I don't want to go on with everything all squashed. No. And then I have to check for sound and you know, all yeah. this sort of stuff. Meanwhile, the audience are kind of shouting things out a little bit. And I'm trying to shout back. And I'm sort of making jokes about, hey, this is a good gig, isn't it? A guy plugging in his laptop. Yeah, yeah. And that only goes so far. And then eventually, hooray, okay, I'm going to get started. And then I start doing my thing. I'm reading out YouTube comments. I'm interacting with hilarious little slides. And I'm thinking, okay, and I'm going, I'm already going too fast because I can feel that the energy is like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Come yeah, on. Yeah. It's finally here. So I'm sort of rattling through it a bit. And then I start getting heckled. I'm sort of ignoring it because they're loud anyway. Mm-hmm. But then I can hear definitely that someone is saying, boring. I didn't realise you could hear me from... I was right at the back. <laughs> I couldn't even see boring. to the back. Boring. And I was thinking, boring? Wow. I was thinking, okay, like, I can well, understand people one, not liking it, but I didn't think it was... I don't think it's boring. Mm. I think it's... I mean, I like it. But anyway, so this person wouldn't shut up. So eventually I just had to deal with it. And, and also what was happening as well was the crowd was turning on her. Yeah. Because she wouldn't shut up. She was obviously a bit drunk. Mm boring and the crowd goes shut up and it was getting ugly yeah it's funny that isn't it when they sort of they feel like they're helping you but actually they're just becoming ugly yeah yeah they're creating a mob environment it was like brexit britain in there (laughs) (laughs) and uh when was it 2015 2015 life was so simple the good old days yeah old days everyone loved each other except in that fucking tent (laughs) and so i say i think okay i'm gonna have to deal with her because she's not gonna shut up so I say, what's the problem? Why, why do you think it's boring? And she goes, it's just a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to think, like, what does she mean? She's right. Yeah. It is, in every conceivable sense, a presentation. Yeah. But yeah. does she mean, has she just come from the office where there's been a PowerPoint presentation and now she's come out for a night of comedy and it's just another guy sort of doing a variation on it? Mm. It's true, but doesn't she appreciate the fact that I'm doing a funny presentation? Yeah. And so it was really quite confusing. I was like, yeah, it just is Just as well. Just yeah. a presentation. It's just a presentation. <laughs> this isn't... And, and the thing is, it tweaked an insecurity, which yeah. was that I'm not a real comedian. You know, I, I am someone that relies on these props. And if if I was left to my own devices, just a man and his mic, mm. I would have nothing, you know. Yeah. So it was all a maelstrom of uh, insecurities. So you came away from that gig and then did you go straight back to London? No, that was not the end of it. Because I said to her stupidly, I was like, I thinking, okay, I've got to deal with this because the crowd are getting really noisy and mm. people like shouting mean stuff at her and, and it was just getting gnarly. So I said, look, come on, let's hug it out. Let's hug it out. Which has sometimes worked for me before when I've That's had nice, random yeah. weird guys in the yeah. audience and stuff. Sometimes like a, there was a gig I did in Brighton and this big frightening looking guy was heckling me. And I just said, mate, I'm going to have to give you a hug. And so I came over and, you know, I knew he couldn't hurt me because it was in the middle of a show. But he really looked as if he wanted to. Mm. But I gave him a hug and actually it worked out. Everyone started laughing and he was fine. So I thought I'll do that again with this woman. I said, come on, let's have a hug. Before I'd even finished saying that, she was up out of her seat, running to the stage, jumped on stage, ran over to me, leapt at me, wrapped her arms around my waist. And I was like, whoa. I don't remember this. Yeah. And the crowd were going nuts. They were like, get off, get off, what are you doing? I was like, wow. I didn't have anything funny to say about it. 
I'd been assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an assault, even albeit fun, in a way. <laughs> but it was very, I was like, whoa, this is, my space has been invaded yeah, badly really has, by yeah. someone that hates me. Yeah. And then she wouldn't let go. And then event- and oh she, was, she was pretty hammered. Mm. Eventually, she goes back to her seat. By that time, I'm absolutely rattled. Also, by that time, it's no longer boring and no longer just a presentation. <laughs> so she has, uh, in some way, sort of invalidated her in- initial heckle. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, I didn't feel able in the moment to turn it into something more interesting. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, like- you're sh- shook aren't you, from your assault? Yeah, but a good comedian would be able to ride that. Well, I don't know, really. That, that's totally up for interpretation, isn't it? Because I can't imagine lots of comedians that I love and adore would respond brilliantly to that because that's not what they do. Like, a, a good in-the-moment comedian, I suppose, might do something with it. But that doesn't mean that every comedian has to have that skill or ability. Mm-hmm. Don't put yourself down, darling. Thanks, man. Well, this is exactly... You are fucking late to that show, though. You should put yourself down for that. (laughs) This is the kind of nice response I got from Joe listeners when I came off stage, because I rattled through the rest of the show. I just got off stage as fast as I could. And I felt bad because it was kind of a rip-off, really. And I got some grief for it on Twitter the next day. In fact, someone tweeted, Oh, it really enjoyed the festival, but Adam Buxton made me ashamed to be human. Wow. But it really rattled. The whole thing was so unpleasant. Anyway, I came off stage that night and you were still there and you were so nice to me. And it was so wonderful just to be able to talk to you and have a nice, normal, funny conversation. And it was you and your cousin. We just had a couple of beers and oh yeah, and we decompressed. And you were telling me about your Magaluf weekender job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is now Ibiza weekender because they felt that Magaluf had become... I think some girl sucked off about a dozen lads in a bar to get a bottle of vodka, not as part of the programme, but in Magaluf. And so Magaluf then had that reputation and they felt that that was slightly too far for their programme. So they moved it to Ibiza. Right. I'm sure worse has happened in Ibiza. I was going to say, that sounds like sort of a normal yeah. weekend in, yeah. in Norwich. <laughs> for, for you. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wife. <laughs> So do you do you do sort of six lads each or do you do the dozen each? <laughs> so I do six, she does six. Right, got you. And then we get a couple of drinks out of it. <laughs> Half a bottle of vodka's worth it, isn't it, I suppose? Sure. That, I'd be far more up for that if that was on the table. They said, well, you can suck up a dozen lads for a full bottle of vodka or half a dozen for the half bottle. <laughs> I'm not going to get beyond the half bottle, am I? It's going to take me a while to get those six done. Yeah. So. Or you can just do it individually for shots. Mm, yeah. And just see how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can sort of stagger it throughout the night, couldn't you? Yeah. See how you feel. <laughs> do you know what? I've had four now. I think I'm, I think I'm done for the night. <laughs> it must have happened somewhere at some decadent party. Yeah. And you could give it a sort of a... Um, nationalistic angle like you could suck off russian guys they would give you vodka oh yeah suck off mexican guys and they would all be dressed in like inappropriate uh big costumes you know actually that's fine if they're mexican they can wear the costume right Mm. yeah yeah so the costume (laughs) you know the big uh, big hat the big sombrero sombrero yeah they don't have corks on their sombrero that's the australians right Yes, but they don't wear sombreros. Why do they put the corks on there? Is that is that a um, fly deterrent? With, yeah, insects, I think. Right, okay. I, I'm not an Australian, and I've never asked one about it, so... Uh, yeah. I'm... Probably they don't wear them that much. No, well, that's it. <laughs> and I can't imagine Mexicans wear sombreros that much either. No, I suppose not. But it, it's, it doesn't really matter either way if you're sucking them off for a shot of tequila, because... That that will be you know on their other head. So you you know you focus on the. I mean, if they had little corks <laughs> on their bell end, that would be. You have to take the sombrero off, off the, the bell off end, the bell yeah. end yeah. before you start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, this pop, is a good. And then pop it back on <laughs> when you're finished. When you're finished, and then enjoy your tequila. But anyway, that was a very protracted thank you for being a friend to me. And I hadn't met you before that time. No. 
Hello my friend, it's good to see you again I've got to say you're looking great I love what you've done with your nipples and your knees And your shiny bald pate Okay, Joe Lysett, net worth, rumours, Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yes. Have you been on there? No, I, 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 somebody linked me to something mm-hmm. and it's written sort of hilariously, isn't it? What does it, rem- remind me what it says? It's clickbait, essentially. Mm. It's a form, there's so many forms of clickbait nowadays, as I'm sure you're aware. Yes. And this is just one of them. And it, they sometimes seem as if they're generated by machines because the grammar is always slightly wonkoid. Or maybe it's being written by someone for whom English is not their first language or whatever. But I always like it, and I have a voice that I read clickbait in, which is kind of like this. <laughs> I always imagine that is the person writing the clickbait. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what? yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I write a bit of clickbait. I also, you know, I've got a few jobs. Yeah. But the clickbait's quite good. It pays quite well. They would be the sort of person with a few jobs, wouldn't it? Yeah. Personal life and spouse of Joe Lysett. Yeah. Joe Lysett was a comedian who was born and who still lives in Hall Green, Birmingham. Not true. Not true. No. This is, this is from a couple of years back. This was posted in March 2017. Uh, that would have been true. Okay. I'll take it back. He identifies as pansexual. Mm-hmm. Joe Lysett does not like to talk much about his personal life. And this is the main reason why we don't have much more information about his dating, <laughs> girlfriends, marriage and divorce. Have you been divorced? <laughs> not to my knowledge, but yes, I've been divorced on reality a few times, I suppose, <laughs> but not legally. Okay. Joe Lysett is a person who gives his full attending and have studied at a renowned university. Yeah. He does his work in a very intelligent manner. Oh, well, that's nice. Oh, that's, it feels less factual and more an opinion. But mm, um, Some of the opinion creeps in occasionally. Mm, they like you a lot. Yeah, they clearly do. He might have many personal things. It's undoubtedly sure that the success he has got does not come alone, and it has surely Joe Lysett rumours associated with it. Yes, it's got to, hasn't it? There's got, it's got to be. <laughs> Skeletons in the closet. Yes, it's surely Joe Lysett rumours associated with Joe Lysett. Who have you killed to get the sewing bee job? Uh, I attempted that... to kill Claudia Winkleman, <laughs> but I, I instead just maimed her, and that was enough for them to give me the job. Joe Lysett rumour comes very rarely, but when it comes, it shakes the entire world. Wow. The entire world. Yes. Uh, I would argue that's not true. I would argue that's definitely factually inaccurate. Oh, it is true now. I'm not sure. 2019. People in Montenegro are going, what? I mean, the last time I saw you, I said, oh man, you should come on the podcast. Mm. But I thought, I'll wait until he's more successful. Oh, yeah. And it's really worked out. (laughs) You're way more successful now. Yeah, it's sort of been a a good couple of years, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, People have been very nice and given me some nice jobs. Are you enjoying it or are you going to go crazy? I am loving it at the minute. I just did my favourite job I've ever done, which is this series I made for Channel 4. Which is a consumer series. So oh yeah, that's. I heard you talking about that with Rich Herring. Yeah. What's um, that called? It's called Joe Lice. It's got your back, and we filmed for about three, four months. And it's sort of it's like Watchdog or Rogue Traders, those sorts of formats where we take a consumer issue and we try and solve it. But what I l- really loved about it is it felt I I loved the show Spooks when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Did you watch Spooks? The, um, when you were a kid? Holy Christ, kid. that was only a few years ago. Uh, I don't know, it was about sort of 10 years ago. Years ago something like that. Um, yeah, okay. And I loved all of the sense of like a team working on something, you know, quietly and... and um, yeah, so Spooks was a British sort of espionage thing, was yes. it? Yes, and their catchphrase was MI5, not 9 to 5. Okay. Terrible. But it was a great show. 
and there's lots of you know people pretending to be people they're not and hidden cameras and all of that stuff just really fun and I've always wanted to be in something like that I sort of wanted to be a spy but I didn't want any of the responsibility or threat to my life <laughs> and this felt like a funny version of Spooks to me because we did everything that they did in Spooks I did hidden camera stuff where I had a little pinhole camera in my shirt I pretended to be people I wasn't so I uh, did a job interview under an alias on the phone um, so they didn't recognise me with a fake CV it was so fun don't you get nervous really nervous but then the buzz afterwards when you've done something ridiculous was really worth it my favourite I think was on one of the episodes we deal with a car hire company Mm -hmm. who could be argued sort of push insurance onto customers right and we've uh, one of our team got a job working there and was secretly filming them for a while and they just admitted all sorts of bad practice while they were being filmed without realizing and so we went and hired a mercedes from a silver mercedes and they pushed the insurance on us so we paid for the fully comp insurance and then the next day i drove back on a truck and on the back of the truck was a crushed up silver car with the same number plates as the mercedes that we'd hired from them and basically said oh we had a bit of an accident it was icy roads and um, (laughs) we've got fully comp insurance so this car's fine right this is fine and the the guy got quite cross with me and because he was cross he didn't clock that i was saying loads of ridiculous things like i think the radio still works and um i filled up the the, the fuel tank like you asked me to and he was so angry about it it was just joyous and knowing that he was kind of he didn't realize he was being filmed and yeah it was just such a, a glorious experience sometimes when i watch those kinds of hidden camera shows that are trying to expose dodgy practices Mm. sometimes i find myself rooting for the the people that they're trying to expose (laughs) because i feel a bit sorry for them you know what i mean i because i think a lot of people well certainly i feel you know that there are aspects of my life that i'm not necessarily proud of or decisions i've made that i wouldn't want made public you know what i mean yeah of course and so when you see those people Getting busted for it, you think, oh, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? it, is, it is a bit cringe. But what we've been careful to do on this show is that all the kind of individuals are blurred out. So you, that nobody's recognisable. The people we're trying to sort of expose and sometimes humiliate are the, the people at the top of the company. Yeah, yeah. Who are controlling the thing and making lots and lots of money out of bad practice. There you go. But I also agree with you. It's sort of when we did the pilot... It felt very strange kind of being annoying and, and irking people on a reception desk and all that because it's not yeah. their fault. And, it's, oh. you know, they're just doing their job. Yeah, yeah. But going through that process in the pilot meant that I knew to then, when I was in a reception and the receptionist is having to deal with some ridiculous thing I was doing, being really nice to them and saying, don't worry, we're not going to put you on screen. You're not our target. And actually saying it to them, so that reassuring them in that moment. Because like, we did a thing with EasyJet and I felt really bad because the woman on the desk was really nice and just doing a job. And so I was saying to her, don't worry, we'll blur you. Your voice won't be recognisable, all of that stuff. Uh, we used to do a little bit of prankery, me and Joe Cornish on, on our TV show. Mm. And it was, I hated it mm. so much. Mm. But the thing that made it bearable was, as you say, sort of explaining it to the people in a way so that you were still able to get some sort of genuine reaction, but they weren't being totally freaked out Hmm. but were were your pranks just funny things or were they to get something done or to expose someone well the worst one we ever like the 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 best one we ever did was the in the very first show i think which was we went into a shop and we found all the items that said 20 percent free like a box of cereal that said 20 percent extra free yeah and so we opened up the box and we just started eating the cereal and when they when the guy came along he's like what are you doing we're like oh we're just taking the free bits and so that was a good one because that's nice that's really nice and and you know a few people got quite angry with us yeah and but we cleared it with the guy that owned the shop okay so it was all fine but his shop assistants didn't know and they got quite angry mm. but it was fine it was totally harmless but then we did another one that didn't go out where where i was uh, i had the, a character who was called ken corder he was a bit like a sort of amalgam of people like melvin bragg and it was a bit like a sort of more media-heavy version of Alan Partridge, I suppose. And we did this one thing about, like, 
edgy indie filmmakers because that's part of this character was that he was a sort of edgy indie filmmaker right and there were a lot of films coming out around that time in the 90s which were quite sort of post train spotting edgy lot yeah, swearing okay, yeah, yeah. a lot of quite laddie and so we did this thing where we went in to a pub called the dog star in brixton mm-hmm. and ken saying uh we're in gritty brixton if you want to get served in a pub in Brixton, you have to swear all the time. <laughs> so we went in and we went up to the bartender and there was a man and there was a woman behind the bar. And I, I just say, uh, I'd like a drink, you bitch. <laughs> so quite rightly, the man behind the bar just said, what the fuck did you say? And comes yeah. over and it very, and I was like, I just want a fucking drink, you stupid bastard. And so he hit me. <laughs> okay and knocked the camera out of joe's hand both of which were 100 percent uh deserved mm. but it was awful and then i had to you know then we kind of bought them drinks and said listen i'm really sorry that just didn't work out and i'm yeah. really sorry but you know we just didn't think it through we just, I, something in my head i think partly i i just wanted to be one of those people that did those edgy pranks you know yeah there were a lot of them around at the time, mm. but I didn't have it in me. I, I wouldn't have it in me to do that sort of thing either. I think because the joke's on the wrong person there, isn't and it? And it's not strong enough. I don't know. It made me laugh. The idea of it made me laugh. <laughs> but um, the whole way that I've managed to get around it on this show is because uh, the joke is on a, a bad company. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still, what's the word? It's not. It's it's not a natural thing to go into an environment and do something ridiculous because every, every all every part of your body just says leave, run. But um, that's why it's hopefully funny at the on the other side because yeah, sort of, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because you're screwing around with the conventions of society, which are there for a reason, hmm. just to make life livable for all of us and. Hmm. But then it is funny to see them subverted now and then. But you don't want them so completely smashed apart that people suffer or yeah. get humiliated. Yeah, yeah. I love your face so, like a painting by Picasso. The eyes to the right, the nose to the left. Other faces make me border, but your features are all in a nice order. Order. Joe Lysett, net worth. Oh, yes. We're going back to the net worth rumors Facebook and Instagram post that I found about you. Right. Joe Lysett, net worth is huge. Oh, that's good. Though he has not clearly revealed it yet. Oh. Joe Lysett, net worth will surely increase because of his constant hard work and efforts that he puts into his every work. And Joe Lysett, net worth will reach a big height, undoubtedly. Oh, great. Well, that's good news. So you've got all... I mean, it's very positive. It's very positive. There doesn't seem to be any negatives in there at all. There's no... um, No, man, they're 100% behind you. Joe Lysa Instagram is followed by a huge mass of people at the national and international level. Wow. Joe Lysa Instagram provides us a flood of information about him with the help of various status and pictures that he makes at the almost regular basis. He Mm. has a huge mass following and is loved, praised and admired by people all around the world on its entirety. On its... (laughs) Great. So do you Instagram a lot? Yeah, I do. I love Instagram. Okay. My life, it's constantly sort of through a filter of what's grammable. (laughs) Yeah. Do you Instagram? I don't. Probably better for your mental health. There's a thing that was doing the rounds. Often just people will start doing, like a trend will start where people start doing the same sort of posts. Like a meme. Um, like a meme, but like where people, where it's sort of personalizable. Yeah. Personalizable. Yeah, that is a word, I feel. And one of them recently was the throwback challenge, basically, where you posted a 10-year challenge, I think it was, where you posted a picture of yourself now and a picture of yourself 10 years ago right. next to each other. Yeah, I saw and that. It was just an opportunity for people to talk about their journey and just such a tedious exercise. And the <laughs> amount of friends that are posting pictures, I just thought, I don't care and nobody cares. And it's not that impressive that you looked different 10 years ago because that's the nature of 
time. Um, <laughs> and it just, it made me cross, but and it made lots of people cross because lots of people were sort of complaining about it on other social media, saying like the thing on Instagram about 10-year challenge is so annoying and yada, yada, yada. But I, I didn't want to add to that approach because it's not funny yeah so what i did is i did my 10-year challenge but there's a picture of me that day and then a picture of a cuttlefish <laughs> and i did this long post about how i've learned i've lived i've loved i've had heartbreak i've achieved so many things but the main difference is i'm no longer a cuttlefish <laughs> and that was just a stupid idea but now occasionally i'll just post that i'm a cuttlefish and I, it's ridiculous, and I don't know where it's going or what it's... I don't really know why I find it funny, but I find it really funny. Cuttlefish say. as well does feel as if you could be descended, like human... It's so um, primordial or... Uh, yeah, it's a great word it? as well, cuttlefish. Yeah. It's very pleasing to say. I saw a post you made on Twitter as well about litter. Yes. Last year, mm. it became a news story. Yeah. It, On the BBC, anyway. It, that's a weird thing that's started to happen more often, is I'll post a tweet or something, and it'll become a news the, story. I mean, the BBC news website more or less relies exclusively on tweets, yeah. as far as I can tell. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, I got very cross last year, because there's this gorgeous park near me, and it had just been a hot bank holiday weekend, and I went for a run the next morning. I think it was the Monday morning after... And it was just a sea of litter, just like everywhere. And I just sort of couldn't believe it. I just thought it seemed like such an obvious thing that I'd been taught, which is particularly in a park, like pick up your litter. But anyway, you just like you just don't leave litter around, and how dangerous that is for the wildlife, and just maybe really cross. So again, I tried to make it not too earnest so i think the post was something about here's me taking a selfie with all your litter or something and i sort of did a silly face you with said it. hate to sound like your mother yeah but if you enjoyed the beauty of cannon hill park yesterday then the least you can do is respect it and the safety of the animals that live in it by putting your rubbish in a bin here's a selfie i took with your mess and so it's you uh, wearing a pair of shades and headphones and grinning <laughs> yeah in front like... of this uh yeah really messy park yeah what what was shocking about it is the amount of people that must have been involved in creating yeah. that mess it, it was all cleared the next morning mm. but in that 24 hours i had to run through a park that was full of litter so that it impacted on my quality you're of hurting life. joe lyson you've hurt you've hurt me mm. but also that's is a danger for animals in that area for those 24 hours god i've I'm your mother. I've turned into everyone's mother. <laughs> I just remembered I did a f uh, on the next uh, weekend when it was really hot. Yeah. Because I anticipated it happening again. I did go a lot sort of further with it. And I did some tweet, which was something like, OMG, just found out that if you leave litter in a park today, it means that you want to fuck your dad. It was something <laughs> stupid like that. Just So I, I've sort of escalated it in that way. <laughs> There you, go. there you go. That does the job. Because, yeah, I was going to say that people who say you shouldn't, um, you know, why can't you pick it up and throw it in the bin? It's sort of associated with an old school posh busybody or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like which I am. And, and uh, I'm happy to have that label. <laughs> OG busybody. Yeah. That sounds that. like my wife. Yeah. Do you know what? She fucking loves you. Oh. She, you're one of the people, I like, as soon as you come on TV, you, she's like, oh, my God, I love him. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> she sits there and literally grins at everything. She just delights in your presence. Oh, <laughs> so that's do I. Nice. It, you that's know. so it's, um, that sort of thing is quite, um, quite lovely, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Someone I've never met is pleased to see me. Yeah, it's a nice thing to be liked in that way, and they'll... Like, you, you you, pretty much could say anything and she would just still like you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is this weird thing. It's something that um, I've been aware of since Sewing Bee went out, that my m sort of target market is now... Uh, I mean, the Sewing Bee is watched by 65-plus female. Or oh, not, that's not, your main not, demographic? Not, not, not 
65 females yeah. plus <laughs> women who are over the age of 65 is a, it makes up a massive uh, really? section of that demographic. It's loved by kids and all sorts of different people as yeah, well, yeah. but the, a big chunk of it is that. And I keep getting stopped by older women and I do feel a bit like I'm Barry Manilow. It's quite a sort of an odd experience. But um, for that reason, whereas I used to be not particularly crude or whatever, but, you know, there would be times where I, I definitely remember posting an Instagram post where it was sort of me, it was a, a photo of me floating in the air. And um, I think the caption was something like, here's me bouncing on your dad's dick. It's something stupid like that. I but. just remembered another one where you're, you're in a fancy restaurant somewhere and you've got some chocolate pudding and you just say here i am in the exclusive blah 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 restaurant in russia eating some poo yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> made me laugh well good but yeah I, i'm not sure that you know the, the audience for sangby will appreciate the idea of me bouncing on a dance stick <laughs> but well one of them does yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm married to her that's a fun show, though. It's um, a lovely show. It's really sweet. It takes ages to film, but they make a really lovely program out of it. It's a really um, charming thing. Yeah. Mm. People are gutted when they get booted off. You know, life doesn't always go the way you want, does it? No. I mean, probably in the future, maybe they will, if things carry on the way they are, they'll probably phase out any kind of competitive or elimination shows because it'll be seen as too cruel mm. for the snowflakes just snowflake generation mm. i suppose i'm a millennial so i must be a snowflake too right and i'm quite liberal and I, I love speaking to people that i disagree with i find that really edifying i had a really good experience uh just last week actually i was i woke up and i wasn't planning on going and i woke up on the day of the march the people's march and i thought i should go i'll regret not going on this so I got a cab. This was the march for a second referendum. For a second referendum. I got a cab. I was in Birmingham. So I got a cab from my house to the station. And the driver was a Muslim driver. And he said to me, he said, um, uh, where are you off to? And I said, oh, I'm going to London for this march. And he said, oh, what's the march about? And I said, oh, it's about revoking Article 50 and having another vote on Brexit. And he said, Brexit's taking up so much at the minute, isn't it? It's t you know, There's loads of other problems in the country. And uh, Brexit's taking up all, this, all of the time to discuss it. He said, you know, there's problems like they're saying that it's okay to teach children in school that they can be gay. You know, they've got to sort that out. And I thought, ah. Oh. And I said, oh, why'd you say that? And he said, you know, I'm not homophobic. I've got lots of gay friends. But, you know, my religion teaches me that there are all sorts of different urges that we have. You know, I'm married and I see women in the street, but I don't act on that. And my religion teaches me that it's wrong to act on those urges. Hmm. And I said, oh, well, that's a shame because I'm, uh, I'm I said I was bisexual because I didn't want to explain pansexuality at that point. Because <laughs> I thought, let's, let's, yeah. let's go in with baby steps. And he was saying like he didn't want to offend me, but he also really appreciated the fact that he could talk to me about it in a gentle way. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that, you know, there's lots of interpretations from his religion. There's lots of things that he's not acting on within the Quran. Mm. So you can't take that sort of double standard. How did he uh, feel about that? He was fine with it. He was really, he, he kind of loved it. And he found, he found it really funny as well, because... I said the old classic line of um, straight people keep having gay kids, and he loved that. He thought that was so funny. He told me that the anus wasn't used for sex, wasn't meant for sex. And I said, okay, but well, have you ever had a blowjob? And he very proudly said, oh, yes, I've had a blowjob. And I said, well, the mouth's not really meant for sex, is it? And he went, oh. And then I said, I'll see you in hell. And he really <laughs> found that funny. He thought that was brilliant. And then I said, oh, I'll have actually, I've actually never had anal sex. And he went, oh, you're a top, and then high-fived me, which was <laughs> unexpected. But it was... Neither of us came away feeling like we'd persuaded the other, and there was no... Uh, I didn't want to necessarily persuade him. I didn't want him to, you know, in the space of a 15-minute taxi journey... Sure, but you've... Him, but, but you've exposed him piece. to your perspective. Yeah, and I'd been exposed to his in a way that I'd not been either. Yeah. I kind of could have guessed it, but he probably could have guessed my ex uh, thing as well, you know. And I was saying to him, I'm not harming anyone in my sexuality. No one's being hurt. And it makes me sad that you feel that I am immoral in some way, but mm. I don't believe that. But he didn't, you know, he didn't try to sort of stop me being gay or any of that kind of stuff. It was just lovely. It was just really nice and a really... You know, it will stay with me for the rest of my life, that exchange. 
Um, I got you some presents, Joe. Oh, wow. I didn't bring you anything. You brought Joe Lysett. Okay. So That's the best well, present a man great, could get. The greatest gift. Yeah, man. I got you some popping candy. Oh, how lovely. Pop rocks. Great. Green apple. It's artificially flavoured. <laughs> oh, they didn't actually use it's a not, green apple. No, it's not organic popping candy. It's very nice in the mouth, isn't it, popping candy? Do you ever have it? I think I have. Is it sort of, sort of sparkles in your mouth? Yeah, man. It? Pops. 40 calories per sachet. No, that's not too that's bad. That's like a diet. Uh, you could have that as, as part of a calorie controlled diet. Yes, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to try some? You don't have to. Yes, I'll do it. I won't have the full packet because there's actually quite a lot in there. You have a little bit, I'll have a little bit. I'm going to have just a little... Oh, gosh, there's a real odour. And just stick it on the old tongue. Place it on the tongue. Mm. Instant poppery. Give it some saliva. Can I have some? Yeah. I'm going to have a bit more than you. That's you've done. A, you did a good job there. Oh, I should have put more in. It's very pleasing, isn't it? Like they all pop, but then there are some that are slightly different colour, and they really explode. Are you mm. familiar with ASMR? Yeah, Tash Dimitriou told me about it. Oh yes, Th- this is the sort of thing that gives some people ASMR. Right. Explain ASMR for people. Who uh, don't autonomous know. sensory meridian response. It's a very pleasing. People call them brain gasms, uh, <laughs> and it's triggered by. They don't fully know, but some of the common triggers are whispering. I get it when. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right, when when you exhaled, then sort of the dust from the pop rocks came out. It looked like you were smoking some sort of uh, apple-based crack. Spliff. Crack. <laughs> apple crack. Apple crack. Uh, are you mm. getting a brain gasm? No, I'm not. It's not a trigger for me. It's actually <laughs> doing the uh, the reverse. <laughs> my my brain has gone limp. Yeah, I imagine I've lost a, quite a lot of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise, listeners. But uh, some people will love that. Mm. So, um, so there you go, pop rocks. That was uh, what a lovely, thoughtful gift. Thank you. And um, now I want you to be honest with me about these because I bought these from a shop where I buy a lot of gifts. Describe what it is. Well, it's a box, and on the top of it, it says fuck. In in, very big letters. In very big letters, uh, sort of cream letters on a red background. 40 stickers, four different statements, it says. Oh, I see. So It's a little box of stickers. Little box of stickers. And they're big old stickers. They're like labels. I'm just going to open the cellophane. Now, this is the sort of thing that ASMR people would really enjoy. So I'm just, just going to puncture the cellophane. Do it right up to the mic. Thumbnail, and then. (laughs) And then, yes, there's a sticker here that just reads, What the fuck? And I can affix that to whatever I want. Mm -hmm. It says, What the fuck? What are the other ones? There's four varieties. Four varieties, 40 stickers. I've got them all out now. And it says you can put them on a laptop. Oh, or, yes, you could, yeah. Uh, workbook or... It says, what the fuck, fuck, fuck no, and fuck yeah. Really handy, that. I like them. I like them a lot. Would so. you seriously use them? Yeah, absolutely would use them. Would you put it on your laptop? Not sure I'd put it on my laptop. Why not? No, I probably would, actually. Yeah, why not? Fuck yeah. Gonna, yeah, fuck yeah on my laptop. Or... Maybe just fuck, actually, on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Can I put one on your laptop? You've got stickers on there. Fuck no. Okay. Or is that you want a fuck no sticker? No, that is want fucking no way do I want a big sticker saying fuck on my fucking laptop. Oh, okay. Because I just think, here's my perspective on it, right? Swearing is fun mm. because it's slightly subversive. And if you are just commodifying... yeah. The whole fun of swearing and selling stickers. Yeah. Then you are eating away at the fun of swearing. It's the sort of thing basic bitches would enjoy, isn't it, this? <laughs> What's that? Basic bitches are um, a catch-all term for people that are into basic things. So people who watch EastEnders are basic <laughs> bitches. You know, the sort of standard mainstream, X Factor, yeah, ITV, basic bitches. Okay, right. Loose women. Yeah, yeah, who I would actually describe as sort of low-key fascists, but yeah, 
also basic bitches. <laughs> I think things started going wrong when people were wandering around with the, you know, the French Connection UK t-shirts, FC UK. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he, 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 it looks a bit like fuck. <laughs> uh, there was a glorious thing that happened, actually. A kid at my school got his mum to pick him up a t-shirt, but she got it wrong and it just had fuck off written on it. <laughs> which was glorious. <laughs> You came in all proud, and it's like just <laughs> totally wrong. I like it. I think it's all right. I wouldn't use them earnestly. Right. Okay. Well, good. Then maybe you'll like my final gift to you. Ah. I'm sort of re-gifting this. This was kindly given to me. This is a book, a journal, and it's a sort of nicely bound journal. So it looks kind of posh. It's got gold. You know, the sides of the pages are gold. Oh, mate. That's lovely. And then in very uh, curlicued, serif-heavy writing on the front. Calligraphy. Yeah. It says in embossed gold, you got this shit. Oh, that's horrible. It is horrible, isn't it? Yeah, that is horrible. And I was given this by a lovely man called Barry, who allowed me to do some work-in-progress shows at the brilliant Bill Murray Comedy Club in Islington. Great venue. And they were nice enough to give me this little gift afterwards. But I hated the gift. (laughs) And I thought, I'm never going to use a book that says, you got this shit on it. I don't want it. And I thought, maybe Joe will like it. (laughs) I don't. But I do like the, 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 the... I mean, it's a really nice journal. The actual quality of the The quality of the thing. journal is yeah. really nice. Um, I started writing some suggestions for names for your future tours in the front. Oh, brilliant, because I have run out, genuinely. It's I'm, fucking difficult, isn't it? I thought it would be easy. Yeah. So, remind me of some of your previous ones. Uh, some lice it hot. If Joe lice it, then you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> That's the way a hat, a hat Joe lice it. All I got was... Well, what does it say in the... It's in the, on the first page there. They weren't on, very... They were rubbish. On, you got, oh, oh, I see. Have you written in here? Lice it to kill. Secrets and lies it. <laughs> and you've done three stars to suggest that you're going to write I was three. going to write another one, but and then, then you, you arrived. Went, oh, and then I arrived. Yeah. New Joe Lice it tour names by Adam Buxton, age 49. That's lovely. 50th birthday this year or next? Yeah, this year, yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, I just continue to exist, I hope. You look great for 50. Are you joking? No, you oh. look really... Thanks, man. You've aged well. Well, that's nice of you. You look um, distinguished. Distinguished. But your skin looks well um, hydrated. Yeah, I do try and moisturise as much as possible. Mm. I'm beginning to worry that I'm drinking too much tea. Too much tea? Yeah. What, like uh, standard builder's brew or... Yeah, yeah, Yorkshire tea. So tell me this. Do you know this? Because you're supposed to drink lots of water every day, right? Yeah. Does tea count as water? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. And I it, couldn't find a definitive answer well, online. Well, I suppose it's a diuretic in some ways. It does, because so it's it got you... caffeine, which is a diuretic, so that's dehydrating you. That will dehydrate you a little bit, I suppose. But I think you're still putting more hydration into your body than, you, than not by drinking tea. Mm. I don't think you can dehydrate from drinking tea. Right, okay. It might just not be as hydrating as a glass of water. Yeah. How many glasses of water do you drink a day? Oh, gosh. Five. Supposed to be eight. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Depends on the size of the glass, though, doesn't it? It does, exactly. Do you ever drink fizzy water? Yeah, sometimes I do, yeah. You're fucked. I see it as a good um, substitute to... um, Oh, you're going to die. Your teeth are going to fall out. Good Good substitute to what? Like fizzy pop? No, to um, like a a glass of fizzy wine. I have like a glass of fizzy water. Right, okay, yeah. (laughs) Fizzy wine. What do you mean, like a spritzer? Or no, just like wine a, that's gone off. Champagne. <laughs> oh, or, you know. Right, okay, yeah. Fair enough. Sparkling wine. Prosecco. Seco, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carver. English sparkling. Mm-hmm. You like that? I love wine. Do you ever have Lindauer? What's that? I think Australian sparkling wine. No. My dad, who was a wine expert and absolutely loved champagne and wrote about it and walked in that region and... Um, but... Yeah, he, I bounced on his dick. I remember him. <laughs> I mean, that should be the out, obviously. But now I'm going to have to explain the rest of why I brought it up. Yeah. He liked Lindauer. Okay. That's the end of that story. Mm. But you bounced on his dick. 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com/buxton for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Yep. Hey, welcome back, Podcats. That was Joe Lysett of course, that you heard talking to me back before the break. I'm very grateful indeed to Joe for his time. I look forward to our paths crossing once again in the real world. So how are you doing, podcasts? If you're listening to me in the midst of the lockdown, I hope uh, you're doing all right, getting through it with minimal trauma. Oh, look at this. The Christmas tree has fallen off the back of a lorry. Literally. There's uh, Christmas tree fields around this part of the world. And they're cutting them down, slipping them into nets and loading them onto the back of trucks and transporting them out to the shop. But one of them's fallen off and it's just lying here. Free Christmas tree, Rosie. In the net. It looks a bit like a pod, a big giant pod from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But a festive version, where instead of um, emotionless clones, Santa comes out. Except it's an emotionless Santa. And he just gives a hollow laugh before distributing completely empty presents like the ones they have in shop window displays. The saddest of all the presents. Maybe I'll drive back later on and snaffle that guy. Anyway, before I go today, just wanted to let you know about a podcast appearance that I made recently that is now available. And I already told you that I was on Griefcast recently for a second time. I was on the very first episode of Griefcast, hosted by Cariad Lloyd brilliant and versatile comedian and actor and writer. And if you haven't ever heard her podcast, Griefcast, I do recommend it, especially if you've experienced uh, a loss and you're up for hearing a variety of comedians talking about their experiences of grief, then give Griefcast a listen. It's always a good mixture of funny moments with some obviously quite emotional moments too and that's what my most recent conversation with Cariad was like talking about my mum I got quite emotional a few times anyway I was slightly less emotional at least in that way on the Drunk Women Solving Crime podcast recently that was a bit more up-tempo In case you haven't heard it, Drunk Women Solving Crime is a true crime podcast with a twist. I'm reading from the blurb. A twist of lime. Join writer slash comedian hosts Hannah George, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn as they welcome top guests 
from comedians to crime writers to test out their drunk detective skills. I would say that it's not like drunk history where everyone gets absolutely hammered. The uh, irresponsible drinking aspect isn't totally central to the whole concept, I don't think. Even though I did have a couple of shots of very delicious cognac during my appearance, which loosened me up a little, made me a bit shoutier than normal. I can't quite remember. But it was good fun. And um, we just, you know, talked about crime in its various forms. I tried to relate some of my experiences of crime. I think I talked about various times that my bike has been nicked. And then we discussed a robbery, an art theft. It was good fun. So that's out now. I'll put links to these in the description of the podcast. Okay, it's cold. I'm going to head back. Another podcast out next week. Probably about, how many? I don't know, four to go until the end of this current run. Ending on Christmas Day with the traditional Adam and Joe Christmas Day podcast. I can tell you that there has been a development, only a slight development, but a significant one related to the Tom Cruise doodle story. Anyway, that's a teaser for Christmas Day. In the meantime, thank you very much indeed to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for his production support. Thanks to Matt Lamont for additional editing. Thanks to Helen Green for podcast artwork. Thanks to Acast for their continued help and support. And thanks to you very much indeed for listening and being encouraging about the podcast. Makes it that much more fun to do, I find, when people enjoy it, you know. Interesting stuff, Buckles. Why don't you go away now? Okay, I will. Until next time we meet, go easy, tread carefully, uh, have fun. Not too much fun. More fun than that, though. And for what it's worth, remember, I love you. <laughs>